what since the second half really how much they've really struggled charged with finding some stability from this scrum and he can't find it that's a mighty shot a mighty Mark Lester the scrum battle resumes now and a big shot from Brazil oh that's sensational well, for me, it's always neat when somebody comes up in, in the street, especially when we're involved in the rugby academy. You know, some kid up and it's come up up in the street and says, "G'day, Dave. Uh, you probably don't remember me, but," and then they say that they're now got a professional contract somewhere, or they're just coaching whatever they're doing or playing wherever they are. That's always been, and that's probably been the biggest motivator for me. I really love it when I, when that happens. Welcome back to the next episode of The Journey of a Grassroots Rugby Coach. More tracksuits, less business suits. And in this episode, I'm speaking with Dave Ellis. Dave has over 30 years experience in coaching and playing and in coach education all around the world. He's worked with some of the greats of the game. He has worked as the skills coach with the Auckland Blues from 2016 to 2018. He's also worked with Pat Lamb at Connet between 2013 and 2016, which also culminated in winning the title uh, whilst with Pat. He is now the facilitator and skills coach at the International Rugby Academy in New Zealand, or IRAMS, which is where I met Dave a few years ago. He's passionate about what he does and about developing the game. Many years ago, he even teamed, teamed up with Barry Honan and created a software company called DigiSports. Some of you may have that program. I have a copy of it, I had it on CD, that's how old it is, um, but there's still some really good relevant drills in there um, as, as we use them now. Um, Dave's now based back in Palmerston in New Zealand after his jaunts around the world, and he is with IRAN still, and he also does some work for the rugby side. I hope you got so, get something out of this. I took a hell of a lot away with this, and I could talk to Dave for hours about skill development. All right, mate. Well, let's make a start. Um, yep, cool. We are. I've got your in. questions, so they're cool. Anything you want to ask me, mate? Yeah, know. mate. And it's just a, mate. It's just a chat, sort of. I've just got a little bit of structure around it, but you know, wherever it leads us, will lead us. You know. Cool. Um, so just, <clears throat> just for the listeners that don't know who you are, Dave, just a little thirty second. Or I know it's going to be hard for you to do a thirty second. Um, who you are, but just. Who who are you? Where are you at the moment? And what's your involvement in the grassroots level of the game? Okay, cool. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so for those who don't know me, um, my name's Dave Ellis. Um, I've been a professional coach for about 20 years. Um, I started at grassroots and I'm now in coaching grassroots rugby in New Zealand. Um, we'll just finished our season, so we'll, we'll see what happens next year. You never know. It's just like professional coaching. You don't know if you're going to have a job one season to the next. Um, I've been very fortunate enough to be able to coach um, professionally in Ireland and in New Zealand. Um, I've been involved with the International Rugby Academy for over 20 years as um, skills coach, coach development, etc, etc. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much me. I'm learning the game just like everybody, uh, which is changing daily. So yeah, it's me in a nutshell, really. Nice. Great. Thanks, Dave. Um, <clears throat> so let's go 
because most of this stuff's all on grassroots stuff. So I know you've done, although you've been a professional coach for a long time, you've worked in that development space for grassroots coaches, um, which is how we met through one of the IRENS courses. Um, so just thinking back, probably more at the grassroots level, what's one of the biggest heartaches or disappointments that you've had as a coach? I've been really fortunate. I, I, I was thinking, you know, along these lines myself, and I think I haven't had too many heartaches or disappointments as a coach. Like every day is a new day. And there are times I think when you, if you, if I think for most it's losing a grand final or something or, or having a team that you think you're going to make a grand final with at, at grassroots level. But overall, um, I really struggle to come up with too many negatives because um, you meet wonderful people along the way, as you know, and, and it's, and at grassroots level, I think it's about keeping you, keeping your focus nice and accurate, and realizing that you're there for the game, not always for the ups for you as a as a coach. So, sorry, buddy, I can't really come. No, up and that, that that's really there. good, mate. Because a lot of the guys I've spoken to, they've they've sort of gone along that, you know, they've had ups and downs, and probably and even when I first started coaching we're all results driven we've got to win we've got to win we've got to win but then as you like you say as you get along and you develop you just go you know what the winning will happen um yeah, yeah. so let's let's then flip that on its head mate what's some of the good moments you've had coaching um and again it doesn't need to be results based yep um well for me it's always a neat when somebody comes up in, in the street, especially when we're involved in the rugby academy, you know, some kid up and it's come up, up in the street and says, G'day, Dave, uh, you probably don't remember me, but, and then they say that they've now got a professional contract somewhere or they're just coaching whatever they're doing or playing wherever they are. That's always been, and that's probably been the biggest motivator for me. I really love it when, I, when that happens. It happened not that long ago, some kid come up to me and actually he's, he's one of the boys who plays for the Hurricanes and he came up and said, oh, can you remember me, Dave? And I, I did, but I struggled, you know what I mean? Because yeah. we see so many players. Um, but we had a good old chat there for a while. And, and it's just nice to know that I think, you know, those are the good things. You know, somebody remembered that you did something nice for them one day or, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, and that's, that, that's probably a good point to make, to, especially to some of the, the younger coaches around out there. It's, um, it's those connections you make with players. Um, I found doing some of the under 15 rep stuff that when you get a parent come up to you after the, you know, after the campaign and go, Oh, you're a bully. So-and-so, you know, all they do is talk about, it and you just go, I've known this kid for like five, six, seven weeks. And you, you know, you've just made that difference to some, yeah. you know, like you said, that person, yeah, yeah, mate. Oh, no, remember the face, but I can't remember, you know, those, those types of things. Yeah, I, I um, was really lucky, Bolly, many years ago, I, many, many years ago, when I was first out in the world coaching, really, um, I coached, I think I might have even told you the story once, I guess coached a bunch of ragtag kids in Canada who never played rugby before, and I had all different shapes and sizes, and they didn't know what to do once they didn't, they didn't, they thought, why do we wear such small rugby shorts and all this sort of stuff, they, you know, they were just a really neat bunch of kids, you could have made a movie about them, you know, Bad News Bears or something. But one of the dads came up to me because he had a big, his son was a big boy. Like, I mean, big, not necessarily a great way. You know, carried a bit of extra weight on him and things like that. But he was just the loveliest kid out. And um, his father came up to me and it, to me, this was the best thing ever 
that's ever been said to me from a from a parent. He says, uh, "You helped turn my son into a my my boy into a man in the season." Like this was a fourteen year old kid, you know. Um, and for me, that was the nicest and best thing that somebody could have said to me because his son was a wonderful kid, but very shy, you know. So, yeah. And and rugby tends to do that to those kids, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I've still got the card they gave me with all the signatures and the best wishes and yeah, blah, nice, blah, blah, blah. nice. Yeah, no, that's really good, mate. Um, so, over your illustrious career, um, and this 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 Go my bank balance is not very illustrious when you look at my <laughs> bank balance. Buddy. Um, what are some of the lessons that you've learned that you could share with some of some new coaches? Yeah, um, don't doubt yourself. Many years I doubted myself, and I wasted time doubting myself. And for me, that changed my, that was, my career was surrounded by doubt for many years. You know, um, Wayne Smith, who, who everybody will know, once told me when he was coaching the All Blacks, he felt like he was an imposter because he just did what he just did, you know, and everybody was raving on about how brilliant he was. And, you know, that resonated a little bit with me. I didn't get to that, I do get to that imposter stage a few times in my life, but the, the thing that I did get was all that time I spent doubting myself. You know, you you just got to step, put your neck out on the block and have a crack. And um, it wasn't until I started to do things like that that it, all of a sudden things started to happen. So a young coach out there, you'll waste a lot of time if you keep doubting yourself. Um, because yeah. the players pick it up, you know, the players know. If you doubt yourself, yeah, yeah. So, and you, yeah, you're it's right. right to be different. Yeah, and I think we all struggle with that too. Um, not just as new coaches, you know. Like you said, you get into that position and you just go, "Oh shit, am I good enough for this role? Am I not good enough?" What you know, like, yeah, yeah. That's that's some really good advice, there, mate. And I think a lot of a lot of coaches get held back on that doubt. Um, you know, give it a crack. If it, what's what's yeah. the worst that's going to happen, mate? You know, yeah. Yeah, at the end of it, you go, yeah, it's actually I'm I'm not I'm not that good at it, but I'm going to go back and do something else, and you know, yeah, yeah. But you, but might just... you, you learn, don't you? You know, you pick up yeah. things along the way. Like I'm still picking up things daily. I talk to some coaches, like you've known me for a while now. Like I, I just talk rugby. I don't talk science. Mm. You know, some coaches will just baffle me with science. I have no idea what they're talking about sometimes. Yeah. But it's the same thing as what you and I might be just talking, but maybe with words with a few extra syllables off the end of them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, that's, and that can create doubt. So for the young coaches, that can come across as being quite um, threatening almost, you know. Um, and, and, that's why, and that's when doubt can set in, I think. You know, we start thinking, well, you know, this guy calls it export pedagogy. You might call yeah. it pedagogy, and I just call it uh, what I do. That's how I coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there was one thing I picked up this year because I've, I've moved clubs now. I'm coaching in a different club. And the head coach there will go, oh, have you seen this drill? I go, I don't know, mate, show me. Because I probably have, but it's called something else. Hmm. So I'm not writing it off. I'm just going, maybe I have, but I call it, yeah, this instead of that. I call it potato instead of potato. Yeah. And he'll run it and I'll go, oh, yeah, I have seen it. 
I've, I've heard it called this, this, or this. And we're or, I'm like, oh, no, I've never seen that before. But yeah, don't, don't be afraid just to go, I think I might have, but, you know, yeah. someone else calls it this. And, and when you actually look at the world of rugby, like, what do you call your number 10? Is he a fly half? Is he a first five? Is he an inside half? Like, it's the, yeah. it's the same guy, but depends on what school you go to as to what you call it. Exactly. Yeah. But there's like nothing, said, you know, like, the, everything old is new again sometimes. They just, they just repackage it and, and trundle it back out again. Yeah, and I, and I think I was having a chat to a guy the other day. I think it depends. Some people try and sound smarter than everyone else in the room, like a, syn, a syndesmosis injury. He's got, he, he's got a bung foot. Like, you know, like if there's something wrong with the, or what was the, what was the one, the other one, the, bloody, all these injuries that come out, it's, just, it's a ankle, sprained ankle, you know. Tell me, yeah. tell me how long he's out for. I don't want to know what the diagnosis is, but yeah, we get, we get caught up sometimes. Like you said, like guys will talk the science of it and this and that. You just go, okay, draw me a picture of it. Yeah. Or walk me through it or, which, I, which is one thing that you do really well. You just do that, break it right down into that simple, this is how, and you can stand back and go, yep, can see how that works. Um, oh, that's just because that's just me being selfish, mate. That's so I, then I understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> and that's it. You have to, you know, like, yeah, exactly right. Because I've got players that will go, oh, isn't it called this? If you want it to be called that, mate, you call it that. But this is what I'm calling it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I think that's where some younger coaches get caught up in, in the terminology of things and trying to basically learn the science of it rather than um, how, to t how to coach it. Yeah. It, it can go the other way too, eh, Bully? Because, you know, the other way they go, they go, okay, I see everybody doing this. Um, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it totally differently. Mm. But with no method or or reason behind it, they just think oh, I don't want to be like everybody else and do a one three three one attack. Yeah, I'm going to come up with a uh, one two three two or, or you know, yeah, yeah, whatever. So they're going to come up with that, but there's no reason for it. They just want to be different. Yeah, yeah, you know, like <laughs> so that can work in the opposite way too. You want to be that creative, you almost go overboard for the skills stuff that I've done over the years. It's amazing how many people make it really, 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 really complicated. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, when it's catch pass, we just want to pick a ball up here and give it to that guy over there as quick as we can and as accurately as we can. Yeah. You know, there's lots of things to take into consideration, but at the end of the day, that's all we're doing. And if I can throw the ball behind my head and it gets there every time, then why should I be running around saying to this guy, no, you've got to have your fingers pointed, you've got to have your hand, you know, blah, 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 blah. If the outcome is, is already what you're achieving, and yeah move on yeah that's a good point mate i think uh, a lot of coaches will you know they'll go and they'll do a course or a seminar or something and it'll be this this and this and they'll come to training and they'll try and change stuff and you go but what we were doing was working like it's like a spiral pass if a guy can't throw a spiral pass but he hits the target every time yeah doesn't doesn't matter like he hits, he's like you said, he can throw it. If he throws it over his head or behind his back or under his leg and he hits the target, let him do it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's you see it all the time that kids, and I think too, uh, 
kids see it on the t- TV, and but they've got no perception of how big a field is. Like they'll see, you know, Quade Cooper or Sonny Bill or Dan Carter or whoever throw this pass, and on the TV it looks like it's about that far. Where it's probably you know twenty meters, and they're throwing these bullets to the kid that's standing like right here, and the kid, oh, the kid can't catch it. Well, of course he can't catch it, mate. But the coach, the coach doesn't bring it back then and go, well, just you know, soften your hands up. Just you know, how hard, how hard do you have to throw it to hit him? Yeah. yeah. And I think that's especially with young kids, they see it on the TV, or coaches see it on the TV and think, oh, I can coach my kid to to be the next Sonny Bill and teach him to do these offloads and this and that. Yeah. No. Sonny does it because, he, like you said, he, do, he can do it. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, the world it's of cool. coaching, mate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so now that you're back at the grassroots level, how do you keep – and I, I, I reckon I know how this, this answer is going to go, knowing you the, and seeing how you work. How do you keep the training environment enjoyable for, you, for your athletes? So – you know, it's three degrees in the middle of winter and, you know, the kids kids have got a hundred other things that they could be doing, but what makes them come to your training sessions when they could? Yeah. Good yeah. question. Good question. Because I did have short numbers a few times this year, but it wasn't through lack of fun at training. I think I just had a bad bunch. Yeah. Um, but, well, a couple of things I always make. Training goes for um, an hour and a half regardless so they know when they finish they know where they they know when they start i always stop at start at the same time every time if there's five guys there or, or 50 guys there i still start at the same time and i finish at the same time the only time i've been caught up this year and it usually comes down from you guys you scrum and line out guys <laughs> you want to whack down a couple of extra scrums and go that little bit longer but um so I, i'm pretty consistent with my start and stop time um i try and have I always have my trainings planned, every one. So I always go in with a plan. Sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes I'll digress off it because something might happen that you've got no control over. Um, but I've usually got a plan B anyhow. But I read a really good story the other day there. Um, it's a speech by Arnold Schwarzenegger on YouTube. And he says, plan B, never have a plan B. He says, if you, don't have a, if you always have a plan B, that means you haven't fully committed to plan A. And that really resonated with me. I thought, yeah, I've Ooh. never thought of it like that. Yeah. You know? So if, obviously, if you want to, have, you think you're going to need a plan B, you're just not fully committed to plan A. So, yeah, take that one. There's a little gem for you, mate. I just picked up the other day. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because even with your plan A, you can be fully committed to it, but it's not just you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, oof, that's a, uh, it's, it's, it's worth thinking and playing, but you know, I must admit there have been times I've gone to plan B probably way earlier than I needed to. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think I think that's where it really relates. So always have a plan. Go mm-hmm. to training prepared. Be there before everybody else is important, I think, as a coach. You can't just rock up, pull a piece of paper out of your back pocket and make things up. Um club and honestly with the players worked well and then but a few games keep it keep it light like 
I've picked that up from our coaches webinars more and more from from some from you guys and some of the boys from overseas that are on our podcast on our webinars and that that the value of games is is wonderful and I've changed lots of things I've always had games I guess but now I've I've changed even more so to make sure there's some relevance with the skill to the game to the actual game you know what I mean so making sure that everything works in together so there's no surprises when you get there so um, that keeps training fun I think for the players you know they know that uh, and don't Jesus don't sweat the small stuff it's like being with the kids you know like don't you know we can be overly anal it's kind of like what we said earlier eh? you know if a guy passes that way and it gets a, gets a job done fine um, I try to educate the players in such a way too that they understand why they're doing something. So I'm not just running out and saying we're going to do this um, because I I like it. I'll I'll try and give them the reason why because I find that that gives them a better understanding of how to apply it then when it pops up in a game. Yeah, nice. That was quite a long-winded answer, mate. I don't know if I. No, can no, that's answer. good. That's good. That's good. Um, so I want to swing. I want. I want to swing back to the point you made about your training plan and being prepared. Um, yes, we all we all plan our sessions, and then you sort of mentioned there that sometimes you go to plan B too early. Um, just some tips on that, are like for, for young coaches, because we've all been in that spot where you get halfway through a session and you go, "Oh, I can't run." I want to do lineouts tonight, but I've got, you know, three guys injured and only one jumper, and I'm not yeah. going to get. I'm not. It's not bang for my buck. Or the guys you got there, just I want to run this scenario, but you know, I'm, I'm missing my eight and I'm missing my blindside. Whatever the situation is, where you've got to change things, or you get halfway through a, a drill or an activity or a game, and you just go. This is this is rubbish. This is not what our what I want to achieve out of it, which happens mm. quite a lot. Quite a lot, yeah. <laughs> um, so when you're planning, um, do you then on that plan do you note? Obviously, you have on there what you want to get out of that catch pass drill or the tackle drill or tracking or whatever. You've got your little notes there on these are our key factors that we want to achieve. At what point do we look at it and go, no, nah, this is not going to work. And then do we persist with a similar activity or do we go away and come back? Yeah. Um, good question, mate. Um, in the past, and, I'll, and I still believe in this, I've gone away and come back. Yep. So I've just gone off, done something completely different, unrelated, and then come back and had another crack. Um, I did this with some kids in Argentina we did a catch pass activity and they were terrible and uh, it was exactly as you said and it was just getting worse and worse and worse you know so then we went off and we did a whole bunch of other activities and I kind of said at the end let's finish with where we started hey guys see if we've see if we picked up anything from training because we had other elements that had catch pass involved in them so they were subliminally being coached in that area anyhow and then we came back and they were wonderful at the end and they finished on a bit of a high and they all felt really good um I don't know what I would have done if it was rubbish, but um, thankfully it wasn't. But I think players don't deliberately train badly. 
they don't go out there no. with the whole idea that I'm going to, I'm just going to be an asshole today. I'm just going to train rubbish. No, they go out there. So I think information is good. So if we can get as much information to the players as we like. So if we're a coach and we go out there with an activity and we're thinking, okay, the whole point of this activity is to put this player through space. So then long as everybody around him understands that their role of how we put X player through space and they've got a good understanding of it, then we can get a lot of stuff through question and answer, question and answer. You know, why didn't this work? You know, why didn't that work? You know, so instead of going to plan B, and that's why if we go to plan B too early, we can just go and scrap that and then we're not going to do it at all. Um, give them an understanding of why we're doing it. The thing that struck my accord this year being back in clubland was I was doing analysis of the opposition only a week before. Normally in, in pros, you'll be like three weeks before in, in the last three games or whatever. But I'll be just looking, look, hey, we're going to play and I'll have a look at one game and I'd make an assessment from there. Um, so we used to, so my boys struggled with sometimes me changing the plan up on them until I explained to them, you know. So when I ran our team runs, I'd say, okay, boys, instead of get, instead of making our first contact in X zone or whatever, and we're trying to bust through there, we're going to try and bust through here now because, and I'll either send them out the footage so they can see it themselves, or I'll explain them the, situ the situation to them. So I took a few things from pro rugby and brought them into club rugby that weren't too hard to understand. So if you're lucky and you have five or more reserves it's great if you have even more than that or if you have a b team that you can play against i was quite happy to school them up on how the opposition were going to play that week how they would defend for example or, or things that they might do in attack so i'd go talk to them when the boys are warming up and doing some other activities and i say okay we're going to play a game now which might be a variation of touch and we're only going to throw every second one we're going to throw an inside pass only because we might have seen that the next team that we're playing, they throw a lot of inside passes. Yeah. You know, so those were little things that we can take and add to our, gee, I've lost myself, hey, I've gone off on a tangent. Um, but those are little things that we can take and bring into our trainings and gives everybody an understanding and it just keeps the interest levels up. The worst guy you can have at training is the guy that stands in the corner and has nothing to do because yeah. you're not going to play him on Saturday so he has to have some responsibility. Yeah. So if you've got in the, in the Blues, we call them the Renegades, and I quite like that name. So I'd probably use that with other teams as well. So I'd make him, you're the boss of the Renegades, mate. And this is the game plan I want you to run against our guys. Yeah. Nice. So, Makes sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Um, I think I was miles away from answering your initial question. Though. No, no. So it was about um, when we, when, when do we change our training plan? And oh, yeah. you know, I think as we get more experienced as coaches, it's a lot easier to go, yeah, this is this is not what what I want to do. Um, but I think as as young coaches, we tend to get caught in that. Well, this is what the plan says, and this is what we're going to do. And, you know, get very regimented in it, or they yeah. just throw or they just throw it away and just go, you know what? And I've been guilty of that. Like like you said, you get five guys turn up for training, and you go, eh, throw that away. Um, yeah. But then you go doing a defense drill and you've got five guys. Yeah. Shit, shit, I've got no idea now what I'm gonna do, and I've got nothing written down on anything. So um, like you said, planning, planning and preparation. 
Um, I think games sort of help me fully. Yeah, yeah. And because the players think we just turn up on a training night and just do what we do. Um, So they they just think that. And I actually did it with a under, it might have been under 18s or a Colts team that we had. And we had one of the teams forfeited. And I didn't tell the players, I just knew we were, but we're at home. So I just said, right, we'll get there. When we get there, we'll run a training session. And when we got there, I just said to a couple of the boys, okay, you're running the chef, you're running the session. And they went, what? I went, oh, off you go, you know. And when they actually then had to think about, oh, hang on, what do I do? Then they all started. And then I just pulled guys out of the session and going, okay, so you're, you're sitting over there now. And you're, I'm going, this is what happens on a Tuesday when five guys turn up and they're just going, yeah, okay, now we get it. And the numbers started picking up at training because they just went, and it was, you know, it was a cold yeah. and horrible Saturday morning and I had guys just sitting there doing nothing because, you know, I was just like, well, this is what, we don't just turn up and pluck stuff out of the air for you guys to do. And I think yeah. it, was a good, it was a good lesson for the players as well. Um, so around your training plans um, and that type of stuff, how much input does your playing group have? Um, so what I mean by that, like with with one of the senior teams that I've got, um, I'll often chat to the line-out leader um, around what we want to achieve in the line-outs. Um, I've got a few other guys that I just use as sounding boards because they're the guys that are on the field. Mm. And, and they'll go, like, yeah, we, we can't run that because this guy, he's not that good at that lift or, you know, he's just a, a bit shorter on the lift. or, or So they're... Do you, do you get feedback from the players around what's working and what's not and then incorporate that into your training plans? Yeah, um, I listen to them. Um, yeah. Often senior players, if you know, if there's an element of trust, they'll come up and talk to you anyhow. Yeah. Um, and sometimes if they're wrong, I'll tell them. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I was really lucky this, this year at the club. I had a very experienced assistant coach very experienced, you know, he'd coached professionally and um, and he ran the forwards for me. So I just said, I just want ball. You just tell me if we can do this attack from there, you know, and this is how, but I ran def- attack, attack and defence and the team structure, I ran all that. He ran scrum and line out. A couple of times I had to go up to him and say, I don't want a short line out because we had short line outs all year. We weren't very strong in that department. Yeah. And because once you're running short line outs, there's more bad guys in the back line and it's, we had to modify our back strikes to try and accommodate. Um, but a lot of that came down with discussions with the players as well. Like a, a player would say, look, um, Dave, I'm happy to stand a bit wider and because maybe then we can release the speedy guy through here. And I said, yeah, cool. We're, you know, I was always open for discussions and the boys were good with that. Um, but they knew I, at the end of the day, I made the decision um, whether we go with something or not. But it was, it was, I was in my, my crew this year, great bunch of fellas, but a lot of them hadn't had a lot of coaching. So yeah. um, they were used to the, you know, the club level where you go up and you have a, an inspiring speech on a Saturday. You smash the crap out, you run the shit out of them on a Tuesday and you smash the crap out of them on a Thursday and you cram a whole lot of information in that they never pick up. And then they play on Saturday and you wonder why they don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah. So... So we just changed, changed everything. I reduced impact at times 
I did make a mistake. I didn't get him fit enough preseason, which is what I wanted to do. It was in my plan, but I just didn't do a good job of it. I didn't have a trainer or anything. And plus I was trying to upskill him at the same time. So I kind of got myself in, in a bind there. Um, but I ran, clear, I, I just think if the players know why you're doing it and you have those discussions with those key players, as you mentioned, get everybody on board. We all know what we're doing. Then um, it reduces the time you're mucking around at training. Yeah. Start, and it brings a, a clarity and a learning because we, as coaches, it's just, it's, coach is basically another name for a teacher, isn't it, really? Yeah. So our job is, we're not, we're not shepherds. They're not calling us shepherds. We're not going out and herding cattle and, and, and running a flock of sheep around in a certain pattern. We're actually teaching our players how to play a game that we think suits them. So I think if we think of ourselves as teachers to a certain extent, and your classroom's a rugby field, and you've got an hour to make a bloody good session that everybody's going to feel like they've learned something from. And you and you can work with your students as a well as opposed to against them, and you're going to get better results. Yeah, that that's really good, mate. I really like, and I often refer to, especially with the younger kids, as like herding cats, like just trying yeah. to keep them. But we got, like you said, that's that's okay at you know under eights, under tens. But then as you move up, you've got to sort of. Yeah, move away from that hurting and, and actually educate them in, in why they why they're doing what they're doing. Um, <clears throat> so with the next bit, um, coach education versus coach development. So <laughs> <laughs> this old chestnut, I think we've discussed it before. Um, so for me, coach education is you go and you do your level one and you get your piece of paper and you get your whistle and you get your bag of balls and off you go. And, you know, then you might come back and you might go, okay, I've coached for a couple of years now, I'm going to do level two and whatever you go through and you, you do those two day courses and you walk away from them and you actually go, oh, I can't remember any of it, blah, blah, blah. But I'm now this level coach tick. Yep. As opposed to, um, and a lot of the stuff that's happened in the last 12 months around like those coaching webinars and, you know, actually going out and developing coaches. Um, I know it's probably way different in New Zealand than what it is in Australia. Um, what's some advice you can give guys around, especially younger coaches around that development side, as opposed to the, the accreditation side of it? Yeah. I think the problem is not with the young coaches. It's with the people who only want to hire somebody who's got the accreditation. Um, yeah. yeah. Because you know, that's where yeah. your scientists come back in, you know, your, your guys who can know how to rote, learn and recite, recite the law, the law book verbatim, you know, with but coaching is about learning how to deal with people and, and work with people and, and people are different everywhere you go. So I think to develop as a coach, you need to get hands, you get to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty. For me, um, this year was wonderful. I couldn't have asked for anything better. Like it was mine, you know, I was, if I had hair, I was ripping it out every week. But should I had enjoyed, I, when I reflected back at the end of the season, I really enjoyed it because it got me thinking again of how to coach. Because, um, and you'll know this too, you get to the higher levels, a lot of it is it's a job and you have to fit into the brick wall of the structure and do your job. You know, and so sometimes you can't 
I was, I've been lucky. I've worked with good coaches that have allowed me to have some flexibility. But you know, if, if you, you know, like it becomes a task. So for, for young coaches these days, they just need to coach somebody, get out and do the job, and learn what works and what doesn't, and understand the people that you work with. Yeah, you know, um, Australia, New Zealand. I like. I was really lucky, Paulie. I was really lucky that I was living in Australia in the eighties. And um, I, I went over as a young player and, you know, made my trade bumming around the country playing for rugby clubs here or there. Um, but Australian had the best coach development, not education, the best coach development, I thought, of anywhere that I'd been, like way better than New Zealand. There were these old guys, and geez, I wish I could remember, remember Kaki and Box and buddy Jake Howard and these sort of people who went on, on road shows all over Australia and I learned so much. I went in there as a Kiwi thinking these Aussies aren't going to show me anything. And I walked away thinking, my God, these guys have got it. And then, remember, this is in the day, the heydays of Australian rugby. This mm. is the errors. These are the Campeses. These are these were guys that were changing the game, you know. And um, and I was so impressed with them. And then when the Australian Rugby Union, in all their wisdom, decided to get rid of that and replace them with these educated robots who could um, teach out of a book really well and who made you, you couldn't be anything unless you were a level A, B, one, two, three, four, whatever the hell they got now. You know, you couldn't make it. I'm sorry, mate. You haven't got your level three. How do you get your level three? Oh, you can't. Uh, you know, we yeah. got an intake of X, Y or this year. You know? it, it, it baffled me because yeah. there were so many really, really good coaches who learned from these guys how to coach and how to deal with people. I came back to New Zealand and I was a bit of a strange fish then too, but I just loved the Aussie way. The only thing that I noticed, the biggest thing when I came back to New Zealand to coach at club level, and this was, this was way back in those days too, I just came home and went to trainings and that, was the speed and the intensity. Mm. So if you married it up with, and I think for me, this is what coaching is for me now, anyhow, is bringing the knowledge but then adding the speed and the intensity into it too. And that's why I do my trainings in an hour, hour and a half. Way to go, full noise, finish going at club level. Um, so, yeah, development and education. I'll go development every day. You need to do to trade. You know, oh, you need yeah. To yeah, absolutely. And I think it's changing in Australia at the moment um, around development but i think well, for a long time, at... long time we haven't had it we've had that education you do this course you do that course you go to one mm. one coaching seminar a year and that ticks you off and like you said yeah. and, um but the good the good coaches are actually out there actively looking at you know not just rugby but other sports as well um yeah. and talking to other coaches and like you said, getting shit wrong. Yeah, it's okay to get it wrong. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, like you said, we're not those robots anymore. We, you know, um, no, so and you, you know, like, I think it's a classic example in the, in the weekend's Wallabies-All-Black game. Wallabies played the best rugby. They were the better team. Mm. In, in my opinion, it was, I thought the All-Blacks were rubbish. But, but they won. Go figure, you know. But yeah. I know... Yeah. 
you know, Dave Brenny's not going to go back and change too much because he knows he's onto something that's working. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, and, and, and that's part of it as well. And I think that comes back to that where you made that comment before about when you get to that professional rank, it's a job. And I think it was Eddie yeah. Jones said at the World Cup, he said, if we win ugly, we win. You pay me to win. And if that means we win ugly, we, we win. You don't like it because we've won ugly. But when we play good football and lose, you don't like it because we've lost. So, yeah. and yeah, like you said, they, the scoreline probably didn't reflect the game on the weekend. Um, no. I, I, thought we, I thought we played a lot better. Um, probably not for the full 80. The brand of you know? Yeah, probably not for the full 80, which is our downfall at the moment. We're not playing that full 80, but, you know, that'll, that'll come. It'll come. It'll come. Um, and like you said, Dave, I don't think Dave Rennie will change much at all, to be honest. Um, yeah, and yeah, all these idiots on social media that you know like to have have their comments about this and that. Oh, yeah, I keep what, away from that. What what's what what is the message that the coach has given them for a start? Like, <laughs> you, you know. Anyway, yeah, no, that's that's good, mate. Um, yeah, I'm with you, mate. I'm I'm for the development, and I think although with all these lockdowns and stuff that's happened, it's sort of stopped a lot of the, the rugby happening it's actually made that development a lot easier mm, mm, and you could I agree. you could get access to coaches a lot easier because you know during the year they're just flat out they got all this but now they because there was no rugby on it was so much easier just to you know you drop a guy an email or contact him somehow and then all of a sudden you're in a, you're in a conversation or you're in a whatsapp group with another heap of coaches and, and you're just talking about stuff and yeah. I think although it was pretty shitty that we weren't playing, I think there was some good opportunities um, to develop. And for me, it probably enhanced what I was trying to convince myself was happening was that sometimes you just ask. Yeah. You know, just yeah. ask a guy because 90% of the coaches out there will either go, yeah, mate, I can help you, or I can't, but contact this bloke and tell him I've told you to give him a, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. so it's it's out there. And I think young coaches really need to tap into that um, development side of it. Yeah, I, I think doing the webinars for me this year was great for me. Like all of a sudden, like I've got volumes of paper, like every coach, laying yeah. all over yeah. the place, got diagrams. So I started to go through some of those things. And then I started to formulate them into those webinars that I did and you know, and I found it really cool. All of a sudden, I was looking at stuff that I was thinking about ten years ago. Mm. Crikey, you know, that's quite relevant. You know, and and started to piece it all together. And and you know, whether anybody came or anybody listened or anybody really cared, it was still good for me to do that. You know. Yeah, and that's sort of why I've started doing this too. Because um, I can't remember who I was talking to the other day, and I said, if one person listens and gets one thing out of this conversation. I'm happy, yeah. but if not, I've got something out of it anyway. You know, and like you said, every time you talk to a coach, even if you disagree with what they're talking about, you learn something from it. Yeah. You know, like you might go, "Oh, we need to run one three three one," and I'll go, "No, well, we need two four two. And then we have that discussion about it. We both walk away and go, "I still don't agree with what you said, but I can understand why you've gone that way." Or, you yeah. know, so. Um, 
I, I think too, Bollier, like it's it's okay to be different. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to do it differently. You know, don't feel that if you don't know what that is and you know, but it doesn't matter. You know, like I think we get so wound up about that. You know, um, it's it's there's a lot of bullshit in coaching, as you well know. Mm. You know, where it's um. Yes, some guy will talk to you all day about what he believes in and will never listen to a word you say. Um, or, or has, you know, goes with a closed mind. This is one, one way or the only way. Yeah. And yeah, that's unfortunate. The young, for the young coaches now, I think there's so much information out there that if they take a bit of this and a bit of that and a bit of this, have a look at it, you know, objectively from standing back and then go, that'll work with these players that I have here. This won't, but I'm going to hang on to it because it might work if I get these players to that level. Yeah. So you always keep it. You don't throw anything away. No, I'm like you, man. I've got bookcases full of paper and notes and, you know, um, session, you, old mate. session plans and, yeah. Best thing. Yeah. Best thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, I've got, I'm just starting to get into my iPad now and, and work out how to use it because I'm, I'm like you, mate. I'm, I'm not real tech savvy, so. Um, Some notes. I use the notes thing on it. Yeah. Favorite. All my trainings are on it. Yeah. Um, the beauty about it, it's a camera bang straight away. Yeah, this they're, they're bloody awesome. You and know, um, and the technology's there too. To you know, you can actually yeah. film something and, and say to guys, because I'll go, oh no, I always put my hands this way, and you go. Do you have a look? Yeah. Oh shit! No, I don't. Okay, well, that's what I've just been trying to get you to do. Um, and there's yeah, there's some really good resources out there um, yeah. around apps and, and stuff like that. Um, and then that's really good. Um, okay, well, I think you've probably touched on this one previously, mate. Um, thinking back to when you started coaching, what advice would you give yourself as that new coach? Um, knowing what you know now or advice to a young coach starting out on their journey and having that because we all have the anxiety around I'm not good enough, I don't know anything or we go the other way and think we know everything and we don't um, yeah. and, and I think I was the latter to start with and I'll come around full full loop and I'm now the other way uh, I sit in the middle um, because I'd hated to have been coached by me when I first started, mate. I was horrible looking back now. Um, no, we've all had those moments, mate. Oh, yeah, I know, right? Um, so what advice would you give yourself now, like back then, knowing what you know now around coaching? Trust your instincts. Yeah. And listen. Listen to the players. Listen to yourself, maybe, because they self-talk a bit. Um, listen to the opinions of others, but you don't have to... But by listening doesn't mean you have to act on them. You know, listen, oh yeah, yeah, that was rubbish. Put that in the rubbish pile. Yeah, yeah. I like a bit of that. You know, so be open, be open to be open to learn, be open to get better. Because you're right. Um, at some stage in a coach's life, they're always going to think they know everything. Whether it's at the beginning, whether it's at the end, or whether it's somewhere in the middle, and then they come out, get over it. But we're not. We're not curing cancer here, guys. You know, we, we're getting a couple of 
we're getting 15 people to run around the field with a leather ball. So give yourself a reality check, understand why you're doing, um, know who you're doing it with. I learned a lot about, and I'm still struggling at this because um, even though I, I, you know, on the webinars, I can, I can talk to the bloody cows come home. When you put me in a social environment now, I'm nowhere like I was when I was a player and when I was a young coach. I'm quite insular now. I kind of sit back and say bugger all. Um, so I think just be comfortable in your own skin. Learn, get to know your people. It's important to have those yeah. relationships. You know, there's some coaches will come. Uh, an example, uh, I'll give you an example recently. Um, I think I might have mentioned this the other day to you as well. I, I, I was the touchy-feely coach, yeah, just cruising. You know, not coming too hard, not coming too hard until we had a massive loss and played poorly. It wasn't so much the loss, it was that we played so poorly. And then the next week, um, I I had been leaving all the pre-match work to the to my captain. So I'd coach through the week. Saturday had come game day, I'd leave the room with the coach, the captain. It's all yours, mate. Um, I'm out of here. I'll, yeah, I'll meet you out on the field when you come through. Um, this game we played so poorly and I thought, no, nah, I've had enough of this because obviously nothing's being said in there because the boys were coming out flat. So I actually went in and I swore, um, not at people, you know, yeah. just, you know, and I, so I used a few profanities, which I apologize to my, some of my players about who didn't like that, but I spoke about things that I thought needed to be addressed, you know, which was about attitude and, and how do you feel and, and things like that. And I was pretty firm. And we went out and played like bloody champions, you know, and beat the team two, two steps ahead of us in the, in the table. Yeah. And then one of the boys came up to me afterwards and said, I love it, Dave. Can you do it next week? And I said, no. He says, no, it's not one of those things you roll out every week. So if you're a new coach and look at, think of yourself when you're a new coach, I know for me, I, it all came down to whatever I said before the match and whatever I said at half time. Where <laughs> half time's too late and yeah. close before the match. You know, both those times are actually too late. Yeah. You, know, you need to have that. But that one there, that one worked in that situation. But I wouldn't, if I did it every week, the boys would have been going, oh, Dave's off having a rant again. <laughs> yeah. Know? And, and that, that's a good point, too, mate, is that getting that balance right of when you, lose your lolly and when you just go boys is this really what what we want um and i remember reading an article and it was when this is how long ago it was john mitchell was with the western falls and they i think they're like 27 nil down at half time against the brumbies and he just at half time he let all the players get in the change room first he just shut the door none of the coaches None of the support staff went in there. He just shut the door and wouldn't let them out. And they came out in the second half and they won the game because they just got it all out and did all that. And they, he goes, but would I do it again? He goes, no, because the impact of doing that every week is like, oh, he's just off, off on a tangent again. So yeah. getting that balance right. Because then they know when you, when you start that, they go, oh, yeah, we're in the shit here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think too... It just reminded me of something else too, mate, as a young coach. It's happy to have it's it's good to get another voice in. Don't mm -hmm. feel you're on your own and you, and you have to do all the talking. 
you know, let a player talk or bring another coach in to have something, as long as you're aligned, yep. you know, um, I think it's okay to do that because often we get all possessive. These are our boys. Leave them alone. I don't want you to talk to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And hey, to this very day, I still get that every once of in a while. Right? Of hold course. It, hold it. I'm, I'm, I don't want you to go down there. But I think if you had the conversation earlier, that's good. Yeah. It's good for the players. Um, You're not alone as a coach. No. Even though you feel it at times. <laughs> so just we'll circle back. That's really, yeah, that's, really, that's something that I've found recently is that getting that second voice in the room. Because um, our head, the guy I work with at the moment, the head coach, he's very forwards orientated, but he lets me run it. Um, and then every now and again, he goes, do you mind if I come in? I go, mate. And he always asks before he comes in, um, mm. you know, and that's not always, he's, he's not always coming in to give him what for either. Sometimes you just come in and watch and just, you know, give a little, make sure you get your hands up or whatever, you know. So, and I think that as a, as a young coach, if that had happened to me, like if you're at one of my sessions or another coach was there and they come over and go, do you mind if I watch? I'd go, no, mate, piss off. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, um, instead of, and then, then you have that discussion before or after. So how does that, how do you find that or some advice for young coaches around um, working in a coaching group? Because a lot of the times like you start at, you know, you might you might be fortunate enough to start coaching your kids at under six or whatever it is, and you might be the, you know, you're the coach and your missus is the manager and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you get to that, you know, 14, 16, 18 level, and then there's, you know, two coaches. And and we don't always see eye to eye, which is also good. But how, especially for young coaches, what would be some advice around making that work? Yeah. Um, if you disagree, disagree in private, not in public. Yep. Um, so you want to be an aligned front when you're, when you're presenting to your players, I think. You know, you want to be on the same page then. Even if you disagree in, in the back room, you can have that discussion come up to some agreement because you're a team. And I think if there's any, if, if coaches, are, players are, you know, think about when we were players, man, we weren't stupid. We could pick if there's one, if one coach was the easiest one to go talk to or something, we'd go to him, yeah. you know, or, or things like that. So you need to make sure that if, if, if the player comes to, honesty is, is really important there. And and if you're the head coach, you've got to support your, your assistant coach. So if a player comes up and says, I don't like Bill because he tells me to do X, Y, and Z, well, one, there's a couple of things you can do. Go and have a talk to Bill, not me. Or... Yeah. Do you know why Bill is telling you that? You know, so you have those conversations, but you you can't throw your coaching buddy under the bus. And if there is a disagreement that has caused conflict within the players, then even when it's sorted out, that needs to be done away from the players as well. You know what I mean? Like I didn't always oh, yeah. agree with my assistant coach this year um, over over some things, and he had a, because he had coached at a high level, he was he was quite strong in in his beliefs as well. But he was really good that he would kind of go, oh, okay, you're, you're the boss, Dave, at the end of the day. And um, you get to make that final course. So he, he supported me, even though there were times where we kind of didn't agree. Yeah. You know? But nobody saw us disagree. Yeah. And I think it's good to, like, I think we talked about it before, to have that um, disagreement because, like you said, you might go, well, I want to run 242 shape and I want to run 
1331, we don't agree. So how, why do you want to do that? Why do you, so you can yeah. initiate those discussions. And sometimes you might come around and go, oh, yeah, hang on. Actually, you're right. Or, you know, like, like I said, come yeah. to those, th those agreements or a middle ground or, or whatever it is. But, yeah, not, not in front of the players, which is... I think learning to question, mate, Paul, yeah, learning to question... <sighs> Yeah, is it's you know they query theory or whatever they want to call it now is coaching. It's been around for a long, long time, and it is relevant. And you learn more by asking than by telling. You know. Yep. So. Yep. Um, I think if you ask those questions, what and and people start to think about, like you know, for example, the old two four two versus one three three one. You know that might just come back for preference or ease of coach, ease of coaching, or something mm. you've done before and not really thought about the personnel that you've got in your team that it might not work for or it does work for. So yeah. when you start asking that question, why am I doing it? It's really interesting. A very high level player once said to me when I was running the back session, I was a backs coach at the time, asked me, um, why am I doing this, Dave? I had him running a, under a line of some sort. And, I, and it made me think when he asked me that, I went, oh. And then I said, because I want you to hold this guy here and stop that guy from getting there. But I had to think about it before I gave him that answer. And then I went, oh, cool. And he went, oh, good. Okay, thanks, Dave. And yeah. off he went. Yeah, because he had an explanation of why he's doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, and that questioning is something that we probably, um, as coaches, especially young coaches, we struggle with. Um, yeah, I know I struggled as a young coach with the being comfortable with silence. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, th I think we've yeah. had these yeah. these discussions before. Like you'll ask them a question, and you know the answer. So when they don't answer within two seconds, you jump in with the answer, and they still don't know the answer that you want. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, like you said, asking those questions of yourself and then the players to get that clarity around. Why, what are we doing? How do we improve it? Yeah. yeah. I think it makes us better as coaches asking ourselves those questions every time. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm playing with some new vision stuff that I've gone online and looked at. And being me, I always want to change it and tweak it to something that makes more sense to me or yeah. you know, it's more rugby specific. And I was, I was doing this the other day and my wife turned around and said to me, what are you doing that for? And I said, oh, I want to, you said, well, what are you going to do with it? What do you mean? Well, how are you going to use this stuff? You know, oh, I want to bring it into my trainings. I want to, I want to, you know, develop it further. Oh, okay then. How are you going to, who are you going to do that with? Yeah. So all of a sudden she was bombarding yeah, me with questions. Yeah. Which was, which was basically why are you wasting your bloody time looking at that for? <laughs> um, but you know, I, I stuck to my guns because I can see some relevance and and learning a bit more on that. You know. Yeah, and I think it's also being able not to get defensive. When you get asked that by another coach, yeah, um, I at a club I was with once, this guy was setting up a drill that was like I just gone, what? It was like under fourteens, and it was just like he said, "Oh, I'm trying to." I can't remember what it was. It was just like a, it was a, it was a, just a passing exercise, and he had all this stuff set up. And he goes, "What are you looking at?" And I went, "What's the objective, mate?" What are you trying to achieve? And he's going, oh, this, this, this. I said, are these kids going to be able to do that? And he goes, 
I don't know. I said, so if they can't, what do they do then? Like, what's what's your regress on that? Or what's and he just went, obviously he'd seen the drill somewhere, probably done by a professional team somewhere. Went, I'm gonna use that and had no yeah. thought about, oh shit, if the kid can't pass that way or can't hit the target, what do what do I do now to regress it or to progress it or what are they actually trying to achieve in the drill mm. rather than something that looks flash and the kids can't do it. So um, yeah, that questioning of yourself, not doubting yourself, but questioning and having those, okay, what, what am I going to achieve? How can yeah, I achieve yeah. it? What if, you know, what if this happens? What if the kid, what if, what if my nine can't, you know, he can pass 20 meters right, left, but left, right, he can only do 10. Hmm. Does that affect the drill? Does that affect this and that? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Really Very good. many. I, would, I did a, a presentation for New Zealand rugby years and years ago, good 20 years ago, I'd say. And it was my colored card system you've seen me do. You yep. know, yeah. And Chris Boyd, who was Wellington Lions coach at the time, but I never met Chris. I didn't know him at the time. Him and I are mates now, but I didn't know him then. And everybody was, oh, yeah, this is one of them taking notes. And then Chris said to me, so have you ever used this, Dave, or is it just theory? And I went, oh, shit. That wasn't the question I was expecting. <laughs> and, um, and at that time, it was theory. Yeah, I'd, I'd used it with players in drill activities, but never in a team. You know, yeah. and he yeah. and, he, and I'm, I'm thinking, geez, I, he's right. You know, I went back and I cried. I have to. He said, and I because I bailed out Chris years afterwards, and he said, no, he wasn't doubting me. He just wanted to know. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. doing it to put me on the spot or anything. He just wanted to know. Mm. You know, have you used it in a team or, or, or what environment have you used it in? So, yeah, cool. Eh? So, yeah, be be prepared to be questioned and then be prepared to learn from the question as well. You know, yeah, and I think it's good to like you said, you've you've done that, and I've done drills. And we've probably all done them, and you just go, "Oh, I've seen this," and you and you take it to training, and you say to the guys, oh, "I've seen this. This is what it looks like in my head," and go, and it's horrible. And you just say, "Oh, that's it, guys. We're, we'll shelve it." And but yeah. being that having that vulnerability to go, I don't know whether this is going to work, but let's just give it a crack. And then that, for me, that then. When we do other stuff, they've they've then got the courage to say what you want, especially like around line outs and stuff. They're going, this is not working. Cool. Okay, let's shelve it. Because they know I've already done, you know, I might have done four before they've come to me and gone, yeah, this is not worth for whatever reason. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just being able to do that to yourself, have that confidence in yourself and just go, guys, I've seen this drill run. I've never done it myself. This is what we're trying to achieve. Let's see. And then go, oh no, it's not, it's not working. Yeah. What it looked like yeah. in my head is not what it looks like now. Uh, let's shelve it. Let's move on. Yeah, and that's good, mate. That's great. I think. Good on you. Yeah. And I think as as young coaches, we don't we don't try enough stuff. We just see stuff done and and go, oh, I'm just gonna do that. And and you don't mm. adjust it to to fit fit your needs. Yeah, yeah. So right there, mate. So so true. So true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, mate. I think we're done. Um, thank. I know you're a very busy man. Um, yeah, my wife's got some gardening for me to do outside. Right <laughs> um, um, 
I'll be, you best go and get the gardening done, mate. Keep the wife happy. Yeah, it's, all, um, it's all wheelbarrow work, mate. I'm not looking forward to it. Um, and I'll put all, all the links to all the stuff that you do, like your, your webinars and stuff like that. I'll put all that in the show notes, mate. So if anyone wants to to reach out and um, get some knowledge around the stuff that you do, um, I know from experience that you're very generous with your time. And like you said, you'll talk rugby with anyone for however long they want to. Um, so I really appreciate your time, mate. And I think the listeners right. will actually get something get more than one thing out of today well mate hopefully mate hopefully i think one yeah. of the best things you yeah. know one if, of the best things we've done is form this little group buddy and i think this podcast is wonderful so uh, i think it's really neat um yeah Thanks. and if and if no one else got anything mate i've got pages of stuff that i've written down as we go as <laughs> as i normally do when i talk to you so all right mate thanks for your time cheers bud i'm gonna